0: Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Good morning. How we doing? Isn't God good? Come on, isn't God good? Woo. He's awesome, exactly. It's a good day to be alive. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited particularly for our Easter event. Parents, I hope you've seen that video announcement. you excited for our Easter egg hunt kids up in here? You know, we, uh, we began to dream with our kids pastor with Susan for this year, and she brought us this statistic that there are something like 10,000 households here in the Briar Creek area. And of those almost 10,000 uh, households, there is over 2,000 of them with kids. And so we began to dream and we kind of looked around this area and we saw, you know, a lot of churches will do something for Easter, but we looked around our area here in Briar Creek and there didn't seem to be anything. So we began to dream, what would it look like to put on an event for our community to see people come, uh, maybe step foot in a church that haven't done so in years and be encountered by a community that's full of the love of Christ. And so we want to, you know, formally invite you. Please come, especially if you have kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's cotton candy and face painting. There's, I think, like a 60 foot or 65 foot, uh, obstacle course, bouncy house, you name it. And of course, an Easter egg hunt and gift bag. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And we also need, uh, we need help. It's, from, uh, it's on April 8th from 11 to 2 p.m., and Susan very brilliantly is doing it in kind of 90-minute shifts so you can serve half the time and enjoy the other half, okay? That's all I'll say about that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, I just thank you for how you are moving in our midst, that you are the God of the, the here and now, you're not the God of simply our, our forefathers that is non-existent and relegated to the past, but you're here, you're ever present in this moment, that you're the God of our forefathers, but you're also the God of, of us in our present circumstances, and our future circumstances. And Lord, right now, we just turn our hearts to you. Would you speak to us? Whatever you have for us this morning, whatever you want to speak to us this morning as we open your word, your scripture, that is so beautiful, that is so much rich goodness for us, would you speak to our lives, would you speak to our families, would you speak to our, our circumstances, and speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, in Jesus' name, amen? amen. Tell somebody next to you, Amen. Amen. I have the joy this morning of uh, continuing our sermon series on the Beatitudes, and I like to think that I have one of the most most fun uh, Beatitudes today. It's found in, in Matthew 5, 4, so, so buckle up, okay? And certainly, if it's not the most joyous one, it is a very relevant topic for today. In Matthew 5, 4, the Beatitudes, it says this, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And as Jess mentioned last week, that word blessed, uh, Mikarios is often translated happy as well. So happy are those who mourn. That doesn't sound oxymoronic, I don't know what does. Happy, blessed are those who mourn, why? For they shall be comforted. And here in the Beatitudes, we have these sort of countercultural challenges and statements that the Lord, that Jesus leaves on a little mount in northern Israel. And uh, foremost, these these statements are they're they're almost offensive to the mind, especially to the unbeliever, right? Like, how are we blessed when we mourn? How are we blessed in spiritual poverty? How are we blessed in meekness? How are we blessed when people persecute us? Like you hear these and you're, you're challenged, but I don't believe that it's just for the world. These are often equally challenging for us in the church. That's right. The carnal man doesn't understand in our flesh. Sometimes, you know, we, we love to preach about the the finished works of the cross. And often we just kind of skip over the suffering of Christ. And it can almost feel offensive. These, how are we blessed when we mourn? By a show of hands today, how many have experienced some sort of mourning, some sort of grief, some sort of uh, difficulty in your life? Wave your hand nice and high. Wave it so we can see. Look around the room, everybody. You're in good company. When we look at the gospel... There are many beautiful things that the gospel provides, but one of the things that the gospel does not promise is the absence of hardship. It's not that all of a sudden we we find out about Jesus and everything in our lives are going to be perfect. And all of a sudden everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies and everything's, man, everything's just going to go my way. In fact, the Bible says, in this world you will face trouble. But take heart, why? For I have overcome the world. It's not if you will, it's when you do. But the case in point here, the the thing that we're looking at today is we're blessed. For when we mourn, there he is, the comforter. Take a second and imagine with me for a moment. Imagine... Trying to do any sort of task without the necessary tool or the necessary item. Imagine trying to play basketball with no basketball. You think you're shooting, like, three-pointers, swishes all day, and the rest of us just see nothing. Imagine running a marathon with half your lungs. Imagine writing a novel with no computer, no pen and paper. Somebody just hands you a rock and a chisel and says, have at it, good luck with that. Any builders in here, imagine trying to build something. Imagine trying to build a home without the the modern necessary tools that we've come to, to know. Challenging, right? And I began to think about this. I began to think about in our mourning, imagine mourning without God. And I believe that we as believers have been given an advantage over the unbeliever. That we have found one. Our beautiful savior, Jesus, who even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us and we will fear no evil, who even though we go through hardships and trials and mourning and grief, there's a promise that he will comfort those in grief, those in loss. In the book of John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus, he comes through that triumphant entry into Jerusalem and he's in Jerusalem and he's spending some time with his disciples and he's telling them of the things that are to come of Judas's betrayal of how he's going to go to the cross of Peter's denial. He's telling them all these things and in chapter 14, he begins his sort of like last great discourse for the believers, for the disciples. It's beautiful. There's so many great uh, nuggets and golden things we could pull out of here. But I want to hone in on a few things here. First one is found in John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says to them, he says, but the comforter, in some translations say helper, the comforter, the helper, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall shall teach you all things, say all things, and bring to remembrance all that I have said unto you. Then following this up Jesus is still speaking to them he's still exhorting them he's still leaving them with this last and great speech before he takes to the cross and he 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 has this point where he needs to remind them of this it's as if all of a sudden for the first time the disciples get it like finally finally the scales in their eyes have been has been lifted And they're like, wait a second, you're not going to overthrow Rome. You're not going to set up a government. We're not going to sit in a physical governance and rule and reign, but you're going to die. And all of a sudden they understand, and Jesus begins to acknowledge the sorrow and the grief and the mourning that begins to come into their hearts. And he reminds them, and he says this in in chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. He says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Take a moment and think of the complexity here. These are the guys that have experienced all the the beautiful time spent with Jesus. And as Jesus is unveiling the reality of what's to come to them, the thing that he needs them to understand is that, yes, I'm leaving. Yes, I'm going. Yes, you're full of sorrow. Yes, you're full of mourning. Yes, you're full of grief. But I do not leave you alone. For there is one coming, and his name is Comforter. For there is one coming, and his name is Helper. And he shall show you all truth. He shall lead you into truth. He shall teach you my, my words. He shall teach you about me, and he will comfort you in your grief. And this is the thing he needs them to understand. Charles Spurgeon, he put it like this, speaking of Jesus and the perspective of the disciples. He said, when he, Jesus, was on earth, he must have been the consolation of all those who were privileged to be his companions. We can imagine how readily the disciples would run to Christ to tell him of their griefs, and how sweetly, with that matchless imitation of his voice, he would speak to them and bid their fears be gone. Like children, they would consider him as their father, and to him, every want, every groan, every sorrow, every agony would at once be carried, and he, like a wise physician, had a balm for every wound." He had mingled a cordial for their every care and readily did he dispense some mighty remedy to allay all the fever of their troubles. Love this imagery. Oh, it must have been sweet to have lived with Christ. Surely sorrows were then but joys in masks because they gave an opportunity to go to Jesus to have them removed. Oh, would to God, some of us may say that we would have lain our weary heads upon the bosom of Jesus and that our birth had been in that happy era when we might have heard his kind voice and seen his kind look when he said, let the weary ones come unto me. But now he was about to die. Great prophecies were to be fulfilled and great purposes were to be answered and therefore Jesus must go. I love that. What a happy era it must have been to be alive, to be one of Jesus' disciples, to receive his comfort. In, in trouble to, for him to be right there, physically present in person. And yet Jesus is saying to these guys, it's better that I go to your advantage. Why? Because in this kingdom, as the Holy Spirit has come, as the comforter himself has come, when we mourn, when we go through trials, when we need to hear his voice, there he is, the omnipresent spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And when we mourn, we shall be comforted. And the Holy Spirit is closer than any of us think, imagine, or or often realize, right? He's he's with us, truly, truly with us in all things, through all things, in the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the mountaintops, the valleys. And you know what? I'm grateful that, that he's full of love for us. It was for love that the Father sent his Son. It was for love that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him because of a love-filled heart for us. And it's for love and comfort and help and, and teaching that the Holy Spirit has been set. And I'm grateful for that love. He loves you. I'm grateful that he knows just what to say. And he knows just when to say it. It's like he is so intimately acquainted with us. He knows us better than anyone could. And I just love the imagery Spurgeon was, was given there all about, he's just ready for whatever soothing balm we need in an instant. And we have that same Holy Spirit. We have that same God with us now here in our midst. He's able to sympathize with us in our weakness and our grief. And the last thing I'm really thankful for, I'm thankful that he's, he's, he doesn't grow impatient with us in our grief. When we mourn, when we go through hard times, he's patient with us in our grief. He's not saying like, hurry this up or here we go again. He doesn't run out of things to say. He doesn't run out of the ability to sit and listen. He doesn't run out of the ability to be present with us in our sorrow, but he's ever present in our grief and he's like, I'm here, I've always been here, and I will always remain here. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I think of some of the instances in my life when I've been grieving, when I've been mourning, when I've been going through hard times, and I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with parents that I Felt relatively comfortable with sharing about things. And that process was always helpful. It was nice to have them. But there was nothing quite that could satisfy that ache of my soul like the Holy Spirit. And it's only when finally in my grief, I, I ran to him. I, I, you could find me either on the fetal position or prostrate before the Lord. And I just say, whether it was the loss of a friend, whether it was um, the loss of a loved one, you could find me there. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would fall. And we would feel that embrace, that comforting presence come over and embrace us. For blessed are those who mourn, for we have a comforter. Psalms 121, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You know, it doesn't feel like a blessing in the moment when we're mourning, but when we think of what it would be without him. without the hope found in Christ. To have to go through the pain in the morning and to to not go through that blessing and to just have the wounds of our heart scab over and limp through life, whereas the Holy Spirit wants to come and truly heal every wound of every heart deeply that we can walk in his fullness out of every grief. And you know, we all pretty much raised our hands. Loss is all around us, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's an untimely death, whether whether we lose a job and we're just grieving this season, whether it's divorce, we thought we were going to go the distance, and all of a sudden our marriage is in shambles, and here we are grieving before the Lord. And He's with us. And as I was preparing for today, as I was preparing this message, the Lord reminded me of when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that Jesus is speaking of him, uh, speaking of Jesus, sorry, and it's saying that he was very sorrowful unto death. This is not just some random person. This is the Lion of Judah. And the the thing that is described about him in this moment, as he's, he's looking at everything that he's about to go through, it says that he was very sorrowful unto death. He was experiencing all kind of grief and sorrow and mourning and saying to the father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But the thing that the Lord showed me is in that moment, Jesus's response is then to go to the father and he falls prostrate and he comes before the Lord that even Jesus had somebody he could run to. And as Jesus was leaving this earth, as he was ascending into the heavenly realm, he, he made sure, I will not leave you alone. But there is one coming, and his name is Comforter. Yes. The Holy Spirit. So how can we mourn well as believers? If you're taking notes, I've, I've written down a few things here I want us to dive into. Firstly, I want to say that we're to run to him, not from him. It's easy in our human nature and our flesh to isolate. We isolate pretty quickly from others, from our family members, from loved ones. We isolate from our parents. We isolate from whatever, people that love us. And we can also isolate from the Lord. And in sort of our, our own delusionment um, and our, our numbness, we just don't know what to do. And so we just kind of turn away and we just focus inward and try to get through it on on our own. But James 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's willing. He wants to. And the second that we turn to him, like like the in the story of the prodigal son, the second that the son begins to make his way home, what does the father do? As the son has... Mourned all the, the bad decisions he's made, the, the great inheritance that he's squandered on loose living, on prostitutes, on drugs, on all sorts of things, as he's eating the food of pigs, the heart of the father is revealed when the son finally begins to turn towards the father. And the father sees him while he's a long way off and he runs and he embraces him. And that same spirit, that, that same heart of the father the Holy Spirit is longing to impart to us in our grief, to come and embrace us and restore us all that was stolen from us. Secondly, I want to say that when, when you don't know what to do, simply be in his presence. Don't feel like you have to have all the right things to say to the Lord. Remember, he's intimately acquainted with you anyways. He knows the, the deepest thoughts and longings that you can't even bring utterance to. Don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. Yeah, he does. And besides, it's really hard to listen if all you're doing is talking. Some of us haven't learned that one yet. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. But also maybe a little true. Anyways. Um, He's, we don't have to have it all figured out to come to him all of a sudden to to know just what to say. And it's sure if we, if we know what to say and we just need to unload our grief to the Lord, go for it. But if you don't know what to say, just be, just come before him, lay your tears at his feet, be with him, experience his comforter, his comforting presence. He's a great listener. And he's not afraid of awkward silences like we often are. When you don't have all the answers, number three, cling to the hope of your salvation. Cling to the hope of salvation. There was a time a couple years ago where a little girl that much of the world had been praying for passed away and it just rocked me. She must have been, I think, three years old. And just personally, I began to just really process with the Lord. I was feeling all sorts of anguish and grief and loss. And we've all been there. All my, the questions of my heart are coming to the Lord. And the good news is he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid when we're in process. He's not afraid when we don't understand. And we need to just tell him that. I don't understand. And I'm just laying it. I'm bare and exposed before the Lord. And I'm just like, I don't understand. And it kind of in the end to, to go to the end of that story, it brought me full circle to salvation that outside of eternity. Everything else is like the cherry on top. We've already been given the greatest gift imaginable in human history. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he paid the ultimate price for our sins. And now the ending chapter of your story, even even after death, has been written. And when we don't understand, when we don't see it, the reality is that ultimately there is an eternity. There is a paradise, a place that Jesus went to prepare for us that has been made for you and I. And I realize, wait a second... When I, when I see that perspective, when I truly believe in the hope of our salvation, you've already done it all, Jesus. And I'm so grateful. Re- Revelations 21, verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We've seen it today. Like we know that God still heals. Amen. We still contend. We still believe. We still know that he is, but our faith is ultimately rooted, not in the outcome of that prayer, but in the outcome of eternity. And our hope, our salvation to cling to is that we have received salvation. Y'all, y'all live today? Y'all hear me today? We still know that the Lord delivers. And you should be encouraged that you go to a church where sometimes demons manifest because some demons are just way too comfortable in other churches. (laughs) Just saying, just saying. Even last Sunday night, we had a couple people that started manifesting demonically and they got set free. Praise God. And I, yes, and I said to our team, I feel so encouraged that the spirit of God was moving and that the demonic got angry. Praise God. But when we don't understand and when we're contending for healing and we don't see it, we got to be real with one another also in church. Cling to the hope of salvation. Cling to the man, the Holy Spirit, the comforter himself. Cling tightly. Number four, I want to encourage us to find, find comfort in other mature believers. I say mature because I believe it takes a, a certain level of purity and the love of Christ To mourn with somebody, ideally somebody that doesn't feel like they have to have all the answers or say all the things or fix you, but can just be Christ, can just be there. In Romans 12, Paul is delivering this incredible exhortation on how we ought to act and be as believers. And in verse 14, he says this, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. So find somebody that that's mature that can embrace you, that can be there for you in your sorrow and your grief. It doesn't have to fix you, but that's mature in their their identity. And if you're being, if you're one of those that is being entrusted with mourning with somebody, also for you, don't again don't feel like you have to fix them or have all the The answers. Realize that the Holy Spirit is ultimately doing the work that you can't see. So trust in the the Holy Spirit and just be there. If they're experiencing grief, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Take them a meal. Watch their kids for a couple days. Like, whatever it looks like. Let's, let's mourn with those who mourn. Let's be there for the, for the body, for one another. When one member suffers, all members suffer is what Christ, is what Paul said about the body of Christ. I don't think we've walked that yet. That's fascinating to me. My charge to us is, as people are experiencing grief is to, to not look away simply to, to hide from our own fears of fragility. Sometimes I think it's easy, it feels easier to look away than it does to look at somebody in their grief and embrace them. And don't get me wrong, I don't think we're supposed to have access to all the grief in the world at our fingertips at all times. You know, Jess will go on these like Instagram deep holes and she's crying in the bed. And I'm like, what's wrong? It's some Instagram story she came upon. Anyone else do that in this room? A <laughs> couple of you. A couple of you that are brave to admit. But when somebody close to us is, is, is mourning, be there for them. Just because you don't know what to do, don't hide away. Lastly, I want to say to, and I learned this one from Bill Johnson, but to pour out our grief like like a fragrant offering to the Lord. You know, Bill shares the story of when his father passed away of cancer and that for him it was this opportunity to worship God in a fragrance that he'd never done before and would never get to before which it feels challenging. (laughs) And the good news is Holy Spirit's patient. And if y'all, you can't do that, that's okay. But I was challenged by this thought that for him, it was this opportunity that one day in heaven, there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. And I won't have an opportunity to worship you in this way. And to pour out this flavor of fragrance and perfume at your feet. And so he just worshiped the Lord. When I don't understand, I still choose you. When I don't understand, I still choose you. You're still good. So blessed are those who mourn. Why? Blessed are those who mourn. Why? For they shall be comforted. Yeah, y'all getting it. For they shall be comforted. I invite you to stand with me. There's kind of two things we went for in the first service, and I I feel the Lord, you know, wanting us to go for these things again. Firstly, in a moment when we close, I just want to make an opportunity for the ministry team to come forward, not yet, and just to lay hands on anybody that's grieving. I was just so encouraged by this past weekend with John and Carol and everything that God was doing, even on Monday night with so many of our team that was just on the floor before the Lord weeping, experiencing his, his presence. And so we just want to, it's powerful when as believers we lay hands on one another, invite the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that? And so we want to just make an opportunity that if you're going through loss, if you're mourning, if you're experiencing grief, to be the hands and feet with one another, to be the body of Christ with one another, and to lay hands and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And the second thing, I want to bless us whether we're experiencing grief or whether we're grieving with somebody to feel the nearness and closeness of the comforter himself. Just put a hand in your heart and begin to invite him. Lord, I thank you that we're blessed in our morning. That this was one of your beautiful beatitudes. It's there in scripture. It's in the teachings of Jesus. And I thank you for the promise that in our morning, we shall be comforted. And Lord, right now, anyone that's experiencing grief, anyone that is going through something with a loved one, Right now, Lord, I ask that you would draw closer than imaginable. Lord, I ask that any, any area of our heart where there's been scales and we haven't been able to feel your nearness, we haven't been able to experience your closeness right now, would you remove every scale, every lie, every ounce of shame from the enemy, whatever it is, and just bring a closeness of your presence right now for us. Lord, your word says that you draw near to the brokenhearted. And as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So Lord, even right now, as we posture our hearts before you, as we draw near to you, we receive the promise of your nearness with us. You are closer than we think. You are closer than we know. And Lord, would you help us to be your hands and feet and eyes and ears with those around us, even if it's the unsaved, maybe it's a neighbor who's had a miscarriage or a neighbor that's going through a divorce. Lord, would you show us how to be like you? Would you show us how to love like you? Would you show us how to mourn with those who mourn and be there for them in their hardship and in their grief? Holy Spirit, come. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.